0: Aloha Maui Nui, hey, happy new year, this is Josh Porter, and oh, Brian great, Thomas, Verkhart. and <laughs> Jason Verkart on FaceTime, we're having some technical issues to start the year off correctly, Jay can you hear us okay? <laughs> I can hear you on the phone, uh, I, was, I was asking if my the phone, we're getting our mic going Same. here, Gary, you got that up? Yep.
1: Gary, can you, one, can you bring this mic
0: up? It is up. Try it again, Test Jay, one. say hi. Hello? There you go. There okay. you go. Okay. okay. Okay.
2: All right. So I'm listening listen listen to you on, on FaceTime and then I'm, well, I'm talking, talking on the other side. There so you so go. Okay.
0: That's a little bit of the fun <laughs> that's just, that's just, of uh, starting a show on, in 2020. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's get rid of that echo. A set of party in the
2: studio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. We got Jay coming in from uh, Japan right now. We got Brian Thomas in the studio. Myself, Josh Porter, really excited to be here for the first episode of the decade 2020. This is going to be a cool show. Uh, we're starting off with Eric Fomer from XL Hybrid. And what is XL Hybrid? uh, XL Fleet is actually the name of the company. Uh, I said hybrid because these are hybridized fleet vehicles, and you have what has been in existence for quite some time. Now, you might be surprised to learn that an F-150, a hybrid uh, F-150, plug-in hybrid electric F-150 has been around for quite some time. Interesting. Yeah, I
2: didn't know about this at all.
0: Yeah, it's really just uh, very cool stuff here. And so we're going to get a chance to hear from Eric. We've been talking with him back and forth for the last couple of months, calling in from the East Coast. Really appreciate him making the call late at night on a Friday. Um, and then in addition to this conversation with Excel, Fleet today we will probably touch base a little bit on what's happening next week, which is really exciting, which is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Uh, now, it's been postulated that there is this great crossover from other industries into the renewable energy industry. And one of the biggest trade shows out there, of course, is CES Vegas, something like 150,000 attendees, uh, 5,000 exhibitors, which is, you know, on the order of, uh, I want to say, like 80 uh, Eight x of uh, of the big trade shows for renewable energies, uh, and there are massive. Uh, sustainability, IoT, Internet of Things, uh, electrification of transportation, electrification of aviation, and and, and you know interconnectedness and mesh network—all stuff that's related to the energy transition and the new energy economy—is going to be showcased out there in Vegas. And uh, yeah, we got a uh, we got someone out there going on to do it, <laughs> which which yeah, makes. Exactly.
2: It's, it's, we've been, been talking about this forever. forever. Is is none of these technologies and things that, that we talk, talk about exist in isolation, right? They're all connected. It's the reason why we talk about electric vehicles and we're going to be doing that today. Um, but, but all these things are really going to be part of your interconnected life in, in the next decade.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to try to uh, reduce that, um, that uh, echo there and we'll see how we do moving forward to get rid of the Skype call. We're doing FaceTime, which is good stuff. Uh, so CES can be very exciting. BT, what do you want to say about it? But
1: all those devices consume electricity. So it's in their interest to have a good, clean source of energy.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's, we're, we're expanding the, um, uh, our energy consumption. Uh, through all these devices. And all these devices on the other side of that, they're all con- they're contributing to our ability to do that, to become more and more energy independent. And that, what I mean by that is things like, for example, you might not think about this, but of course we have electrification and transportation. Why is that relevant? Well, we're going to need to generate all that electricity, right, to to account for what we're using in gasoline and vehicles. Now it's going to be coming out of uh, our solar systems, right? right. I, I myself just installed the the most powerful, and Jay's going to get tired of hearing saying this, but I have to say it every time, the most powerful <laughs> level two EV charger in the world because it combines it's a solar edge product and it combines uh, the the solar the solar energy with the grid energy you can have that setting on that on your home and you get something like I think it's 40 amps I mean it's, it's very powerful right so and it's relatively straightforward such that an investment guy can come help with it <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> absolutely, right. And this is kind of in really in, in Brian Thomas's neck of the woods here too, uh, Brian. Uh, and because you're you're a you're a technical you're a technician, a, a tech aficionado, but you also are really heavily into cars and transportation and Prius. You probably know more about uh, uh, hybrid vehicles and swapping batteries out than anybody I know. Uh, so this guy Eric is going to be perfect for you to connect with. I mean, this is right up your alley. Yeah, this is going to be a neat conversation, and it follows
1: upon. The conversation we had last show with those guys that are doing crate motors ev crate motors that you just drop in like you would put a, a v8
0: or something in you know or like a like a ls corvette engine in i have to confess i spent the last week scouring <laughs> craigslist around the country for classic electric vehicle conversions and i found one in la oh yeah it's a late 40s uh ford pickup That's been completely electrified. Wow, that'd be awesome. And and I'm thinking about on the the transition, uh, what do you call it? The layover, maybe kind of getting out of the airport and (laughs) poke around that baby. Really exciting stuff. All right, you guys ready to go? Let's do it. All right. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here. Lovely Maui County can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Oi, 1110 a.m. Also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry
2: www.solar-coaster.com is the website where you can listen live, pick up all our podcast streams and uh, check out all our other misadventures (laughs) across the uh, renewable energy space, www.solar-coaster.com.
0: There you go. Got some great uh, podcasts out there as well. iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn are wonderful locations to uh, get your your daily dose of sunshine. Uh, that that phrase out there coined by Eric Blair for us years back when we started our, our project. Um, sponsors, Fairwinds Wealth Management, Mr. Brian Thomas. Thank you, sir. One of the most innovative and interesting uh, wealth management professionals I know for sure, talking about things like ESG, environmental, social governance, and uh, ETFs, electronically traded funds. Uh, keep your eye out there for PBW, one of the ETFs that is kicking proverbial butt right now, as well as uh, TAN and other ones that we've explored over the course of the last couple of months. By how long have you been on? Two months, three months? Yeah.
1: Something like that. It's not, if not uh, yeah, three or so.
0: Yeah, you're a regular occurring uh, a culprit up here. All right, and then we have Enduro Shield. Uh, uh, Enduro Shield is a local sponsor, uh, Gary Dolberg, and his company, Perfectly Clear. Enduro Shield's a really interesting technology, and I want to share with everyone, and maybe Brian will share with us. Well, so you had them out to your install at your house. Did, yeah. Okay. Very cool stuff. And so Enduro Shield has a coating. And they've been, you know, doing this coating that that protects glass effectively for, for a long time now. It's a proprietary uh, technology out of Australia. Very interesting tech. And it is now being applied to solar panels to limit soil duration, which is the well, soil duration is the the metric we use when we're modeling, but basically accru- accretion of soil. Uh, and what it is, is it's uh waterphobic and oilphobic and that's hydrophobic and oleophobic which I think is a funny word. Uh so basically uh we t- we took 3 of the panels that are on my roof the LG 350 uh, m- modules and we coated them. And we have them in a certain location we're going to watch them over time to see how the uh coating impacts the uh the overall energy production if it keeps uh, more uh, dust and soil and things of that nature off of the panels, then you're going to have more production and then you're going to have a value presented there, right? And if it doesn't require me to hire someone to come out and clean the panels in the next six months or 12 months, then I save on that. and I save on the liability of having someone up there too. I don't like having guys on my roof. So there's a lot of great things there that we're going to be exploring for Enduro Shield and Perfectly Clear over the course of the upcoming, I would say, quarter. It's going to get very interesting. Um, also, Sundrum Solar Hawaii is a wonderful uh, sponsor of ours. Sundrum is is amazing company, and they're doing some really awesome uh, heat sink and heat pump technology. Uh, there's a potential I'll be playing with a little bit of that in my, my home as well, which is uh, very cool. Imagine if you have a thermal load, for example, a pool or a, uh, a hot tub or an air conditioning those are thermal loads and this technology can extract the waste heat out of your PV modules and then put it through a run it through a harvest system it's called a heat pump system and then create those uh, meet those thermal demands rather than meeting them electrically thereby reducing your bill considerably Uh, really interesting I feel really privileged to have this type of uh, group of sponsors on board let's jump over to our news and events Jay all
2: right uh, I believe you can put the phone down I'm only using that for listening to you <laughs> should reduce our echo um so rooftop solar predictions for the next decade it being the new year everybody is out there um talking about what's going on in the past decade and what's going on in the next decade and barry cinnamon runs a, uh, a similar radio show to ours he does a lot of research really really smart guy and he's got his uh, 10 predictions for the next decade and some of them are like right now some of them are, are very, very far-reaching. Um, did you get a chance to look at this at all?
0: Um, well, not really, to be honest with you. But I got to really? tell you this. Okay. Um, so- I do. Uh, I do feel that Barry Cinnamon is an interesting guy, much like Marco Mangelsdorf here in Hawaii. He's been in the fight, in the solar coaster fight. He likes that term, our our namesake. He uses it, throws it around from time to time. And we did get a chance to meet him at, at I want to say CES, but at SPI in Salt Lake. And I was a bit starstruck, to be to be candid with you guys. I thought it was so exciting <laughs> to meet the Barry Cinnamon. He's in uh, Silicon Valley, and he's been doing um, you know installs and innovating on... Um, on different types of racking over the years. You know, he's just a real uh, kind of uh, industry maverick, if I can use that term.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just real real quick, I mean, storage will be the standard with solar. I mean, that, that's if, if you look around, at least in, in the Hawaii marketplace, that's right now. But um, accelerating over the next over the next five years, so half a decade, we're going to see storage with absolutely every system. I I think that's that's absolutely I mean a kind of an, a no brainer thing. Um, having an app for that is is one of his things, and this is actually hitting very close to home for me. Um, he specifically says, all oh, there's these little Wi-Fi and Zigbee and Bluetooth connectivity things." I mean There's yeah. so many problems with having the little thing connect over a Zigbee to then to the clients, your 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 home Wi-Fi to get out to the internet, and the internet isn't the most stable thing uh, in the islands either. So you literally get dropouts, and, and my, my parents are seeing that on their system right now uh, where the, the data comes in, it goes out, and goes in, and goes out. And you can't really get a good model uh, so I'm actually curious to see how your system fares <laughs> through, through all of this
0: couple of things Over- there Jay they have <laughs> I, that's a um, that's really an interesting area for a couple of reasons one there is a session at CES specifically geared towards this uh, the different types mm-hmm. of networks and the different standards and I'm signing some on my on my agenda uh, in Vegas, and then also uh, we we talked uh, maybe about six months ago or so, and there was this we, we discovered this notion of this interplay between telecom and and, and and renewable energy systems. Kind of one one it's like a chicken or the egg thing. It's like they both need each other, right? So yeah. um, which is very interesting to see how that coevolution operates. But they they're, they're 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 more interrelated than one might think out of the gate. Um, and just like you said, in order to be able to model and see your, how your system is performing, you need to have reliable uh, telecommunications. Uh, you need to be able to have reliable uh, com- communications mechanisms from you know, the grid edge all the way up through. So we're going to see more and more of that. This is Do you have an app for that? That's a, that's a phrase I haven't heard in a while actually, right? <laughs>
1: and,
0: and the sensors that are
1: being developed for it, there's, they're yeah. more prevalent and they're more powerful and they're going
0: deeper. So. And this is related to 5G too, right? So I'm 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 very limited. I have a very limited understanding of five G, other than it's a much more powerful um, telecommunications system, right? And uh, there's a bunch of five G related content out there. So hopefully I'll learn about that. But uh, yeah, I mean these these sensors are, are it's going to have the ability. And I remember this was another article in our, our show a while back, uh, Jason. Uh, we'll have the ability with five G to be able to take data from so many more sensors, and then be able to uh, make uh, more meaningful decisions with that data. That seems to be the type of thing that's happening.
2: Gee. Yeah. Just an offshoot of that, I got a mail this morning that says Starlink 2, which is uh, Musk's um, low orbit, um, high speed right. network, is actually launching on the 6th, This the second, the second ship. Oh, right around the so corner. I have, have to watch for that. We got to see that little constellation of, of weird satellites go by. <laughs> so this will be phase two. Um, but in, in, going back to Barry's article, um, net costs going up. This was an interesting one for me. Um, and, mm. and it's all attributed to um, labor labor inverters and racking costs are, are all going up. And some of that is tariff related. Some of that is just costs of, of, of mm. objects. Uh, we've been watching the end phase. Uh, rollout for the new iQ8 series the ensembles um, and those are the, the rumors are, out, are abound that it's going to be more expensive than you think it is um, so that's 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 kind of an issue and it kind of ties into his number four as well as is software is the price necessarily make no mistake, Enphase is a software company. Uh, they're making hardware. It's the software that, that makes that drives this revolution. Um, and that's, that's going to be a big deal. But the cost going up is, is something I want to keep a very, very close eye on.
0: Yeah, when we say cost going up, obviously, like you said, there's, there's, uh, there's tariff-related issues in here. There's uh, more complex electronics and longer installation-related issues here. Uh, there's the step-down of the tax credits, so all of that kind of increasing the net cost. But, of course, there's additional value propositions that storage and all of this technology offers, right? So it's like you may have a higher price at the end of the day, but will you be able to extract greater value for your life (laughs) you know out of this technology and i think the answer is i mean like we just talked about with the ev charger we just we were talking about battery backup. Having whole house backup uh, is is a very real thing at this moment. Uh, you know, Solar Edge is launched. I just rewatched our Solar Edge interviews, Jay. Uh, they're they are launching their gateway, which is going to allow for stacking of their uh, inverters for both power and capacity at a level that really has never been seen before. I think we're talking about 5, 10 kilowatt hour of, of those Kokum acquisition batteries per inverter, and up to three eleven point four kilo uh, kilowatt uh inverters i mean you're talking about really small commercial capabilities on a home so really beyond what we we, we would need for for backup and it's just a matter of where does that price of storage come in so we'll just have to you know keep an eye on it like you said yep all right yeah, what, yeah let's
2: let's step away from barry's article for a bit um looks like canada is getting into the renewable energies game i mean, so you, you don't think of canada doing, doing a lot of solar um because they they generally don't get a lot in the wintertime <laughs> but um but they're putting out one of putting in one of the largest they're finalizing one of the largest uh, solar farms in the world um, the developments are going to be uh, 400 megawatts in phase one and, and closing in at more than 1000 megawatts which is basically a large nuclear power installation um, by the end of 2021 so a very quick rollout for this large-scale install uh, in alberta it's going to cover 40 700 acres that's a lot of space
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I'm just trying to make uh, relate that to the installations we have planned here in Maui and uh, I want to say that the AES the 60 megawatt what was that oh geez was the acre I think we were like uh, a couple hundred acres or something or was it somewhere in that territory so uh, you're you're looking at a a lot a lot of area that's that's very interesting what did they say this was was it in in Alberta? Alberta
1: And, yeah. and, Jay, yeah. that's, that's a 400 megawatt? That's 400 megawatt, correct. And, and their biggest so far in Canada is 100 megawatt. Right.
3: So, 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 they're, so, so they're fourfold. Um, the interesting
2: thing is tied to that article. I found a neat little thing that they also have a, a drone project in Canada that's, that's government-funded um, that they are um, trying to plant trees. So it's literally a little little drone thing that has this injection um, Pod on the bottom, and it takes out ger- takes germinated seeds out into the field and plants them by itself. Uh, it sounds like can the
0: Canadian them. something the Canadian government would do. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's, it, you
2: have to cover a lot of distance, but it, they say they can do it for fifteen uh, sorry fifty cents per um, per sprout per
0: seedling, which is cheaper than the uh, the current having um, volunteers go out and plant trees by themselves. That sounds like a great field show, Jay.
2: <laughs> for sure. um, anyway so moving moving on uh, i did get some investment news and i wanted i wanted to run this by brian did you did you see the baron's article um warren buffett is um betting really really big on solar he's actually been a renewable energies proponent for quite a while um but he has a um this this um berkshire hathaway uh companies um that, that he, he owns large pieces of, uh, they are installing huge amounts of uh, solar through um, Nevada. Right. Have you seen this?
1: Yeah, the NB, yeah. NB Energy. Yeah. Yep. So
2: so they're looking um, to supply uh, Las Vegas with um, the, what they're calling the Gemini Power Project, um, 1.19 gigawatts. You get to say that for the first time with the renewable oh, wow. Energy Project. Yes, it is not small um, enough enough to provide electricity for two thousand uh, to two two hundred thirty thousand homes, so like a quarter of a million homes, uh, close up, and, and this is just going to be an incredibly large project. It is on government land, which is interesting, federal lands. And I'm not sure which ones these are, um, so it's it's uh, beholden to the uh, Department of the Interior to actually allow for this project. But it looks like it's going forward. The, the Department of Interior has already issued a letter saying that they once, once there's the public forum on it is is complete, that they would issue approval within 90 days.
0: This is interesting. Check this quote out here, Jay. So for, I was just hoping that I could get access to that area and kind of see where it's going to go in. A, a, a mm-hmm. couple, couple things. Most important is 1.19 uh, gigawatts sounds a lot like Doc Brown's number, doesn't it? <laughs> 1.21, yes, well, very close to 1.21 gigawatts, <laughs> which at the time, back in the 80s, we didn't know. I uh, can't even imagine what that was. Nowadays, with Well, for, uh, I didn't even
2: pronounce it
0: properly. <laughs> <laughs> one of these. <laughs> uh, well, people, just, people do pronounce it differently. Looks, so we got our caller. We're going to uh, finish this up. But uh, yeah, and then I noticed that uh, Buffett's commitment. to... This is a quote from the article. Buffett's commitment to environmental goals has been challenged in the past. Berkshire Hathaway Energy was previously criticized for opposing net metering rules that pay rooftop solar generators for the power they back to the grid. If you're an investor and you want to get into utility scale, uh then I can completely understand why they would oppose net yeah, metering because yeah, metering. They're, yeah, they're not going to make money on that. Uh but you are going to make yeah. money if you put a big uh solar farm in and then sell it to the utility. So um that's very interesting. Uh, uh jay we got one more you want to cover? We get we do have our uh, Brian Thomas has got something well, for us. So and this was interesting too because it says the
1: project also comes with 590 megawatts of battery storage, meaning the power generated by solar panels can be stored four times uh, so for times when the sun's not shining. so five hundred and ninety megawatts. so
0: that's interesting, yeah, yeah, I mean, basically, yeah it's kind of an odd number and it doesn't it
2: doesn't say megawatt hour. remember we have we have that that little distinction there mm-hmm. where you have the, the the absolute output at any given second versus how much total energy is is stored in the system. um it's it's not clear there, but um if if it is actually megawatt hour, it's not it's not quite that much.
1: So, so yeah, so Jay, maybe it'll just uh like trickle overnight or so versus like uh, hitting it
0: when peak demand hits, maybe when the sun goes down in the evening.
2: I think Las Vegas is a trickle overnight
1: kind of city, though.
0: So you guys are talking about, like, how that energy will be dispersed. Exactly. It, it may, it may right. be a combination of energy and grid services. There could be a whole bunch of things that are happening there.
1: Well, because Vegas has demands over, overnight. I mean, they always <laughs> have the lights on. Casinos are always going, people are losing money
0: at 3 a.m. in the morning. and uh, <laughs> Keep those lights on where people are uh, batting. All right. Uh, how about we jump over to our commercials, Jay, uh, a little early here. We do have our caller on the line, and then we'll come back. And if we can grab something at the end, we will, okay? Good enough. EnduroShield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment, reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. Enduro Shield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear in Hawaii. And for on-site applications in Western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. CanTech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. All right, those were our wonderful sponsors. Uh, thanks very much to uh, the whole. Uh, gaggle of great uh, companies that are uh, keeping the solar coaster on the tracks we have a great opportunity here today to speak with uh, eric from xl fleet eric can you hear us okay
3: i can how you doing guys
0: we're doing fantastic happy new year my friend aloha
3: yes happy new year to you as well it's hard to believe we're uh we've already turned the dial into 2020 already huh it's
0: science fiction straight science fiction I, I wrote that down <laughs> for the first time like this morning oh in I was buying an airline ticket actually and I was and I'm, and I'm going 2020 is that possible what is that what, what, what does that mean you know it was right, just right. bizarre bizarre but you know uh, uh, this show we, we we cover a lot of great technology sometimes it does feel like the future uh, and you know when I when I came across your organization is the company named XL fleet is that correct Yes, that's right. You know, when I came across XL Fleet, I was kind of stunned because you've been around for quite some time doing really amazing work that has, you know, very significant uh, impacts to greenhouse gases and to organizations' bottom line with this with this hybrid hybrid uh, you know fleet technology. And it was just kind of wasn't somehow it wasn't on my radar. I mean, we we scour the planet for cool tech. I think it's because you guys have been around doing this for a, for quite some time.
3: Yeah, definitely, and you know, uh, part of it I think is because we we serve exclusively the commercial and municipal fleet industry. So, Excel Fleet was was founded uh, ten years ago um, to really electrify the commercial fleet industry. So, you know, if you, if you think about the electric vehicle uh, options that they were around even ten years ago, much much less um, much less broad of a of an array of vehicles than than there are even today, but even even back then, they, they focused almost exclusively on the com- on the uh, consumer market, um, and so Excel was was founded to to really address that specific industry because um, you know the the transportation is 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 now as of last year that the number one leading contributor to greenhouse gases globally. And oh no kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it overtook the, uh, the energy uh, production industry as, as it narrowed it out as, as kind of the number one uh, the number one contributor to, to GHG. so and, and what was that? It, was know,
0: that a, was that a combination or just a sheer volume? I mean, I guess when you combine maritime uh, shipping, you know uh, tr- semi trucks, regular uh, cars, fleet vehicles, aviation, all of that together is kind of how you probably arrive at that number, right? but I mean, was it, it yeah.
3: Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, and you know, commercial fleets, trucks, you know, the, the medium duty, the heavy duty trucks, even some of the light duty trucks, uh, by comparison, are, are really the, the, the contribution that those vehicles have. Even though there's a smaller number of those vehicles on the road, the, the relative contribution to the greenhouse gas and the, and the carbon footprint um, that's being emitted. Uh, is really far more substantial, uh, you know, by you know, by percentage than than a traditional just consumer uh, uh, focused car. So, um, so we really focused on that segment of the industry and really giving fleet managers a- an opportunity to to save money on on fuel and reduce their carbon footprint in a way that did not really disrupt their their operations. And I think that was a key to our early success and has certainly sustained Excel fleet as a company for the last decade. And uh, we just celebrated not only the 10 years in business, but uh, our customers have now collectively driven over 100 million total miles on our on our systems, which is which is really <laughs> rewarding. If you think about it.
0: Absolutely. It's amazing to think you've been in business for 10 years, especially because it feels like the the electric truck discussion is so new right? It's just been, and of course, you've been operating quietly in the background, making this kind of significant impact uh, in an area that we just described as the largest contributor to GHGs, you know, the overall uh, transportation uh, sector. So, well, give us a sense. Who started this company? How did it get up and running? And then, I mean, you know, how did it get going?
3: Well, it was founded by a a couple of MIT graduates. Uh, Todd Hines is is one of our founders and and is uh, our chief strategy officer. And and really just kind of had a vision for electrifying the fleet industry and, and really kind of giving them alternatives to the gas guzzling, diesel guzzling vehicles that were, you know, uh, the, the, the norm in that space. And, and you know, what, what they found is, is that, that fleet managers really did want to, um, you know, reduce their fuel costs, reduce their operational costs, reduce their carbon footprint, and their greenhouse gas emissions, but there really wasn't a cost effective way. To do it at the time, and, and XL, which was founded as, as XL hybrids at the time, because we, we really s- strictly focused on the, on the hybrid solution, um, was really designed to address that specific need, is, is give fleet managers uh, an option to reduce their operational costs without disrupting what they do and, and the jobs that they do, the important jobs that they do on a daily basis Whereas, you know, some of the early uh, iterations into this market were really disruptive in that, you know, they, they weren't performing properly. Or, you know, if you think about how immature they, the uh, charging infrastructure is nationally today, you know, think about what it was 10 years ago. Right. So, you know, there really weren't viable options, especially on the commercial and the municipal fl- uh, front, to really address those. And so that's what that's what XL uh really came in and, and tried to do and 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 customers really responded and our hybrid solution just took off and and we got some really big name customers early on coca-cola was one of our earliest customers pepsi co, co was was one of our early adopters um some of the major municipalities city of boston um you know really and it, and it just took off and so we've we've uh, updated our technology over that time we've now come out with a plug-in hybrid solution mm. uh, that was actually just named as one of Time magazine's best inventions of 2019. oh wow so we've, we've really expanded our footprint we've expanded our solution set and we've really got a lot of options that, that still hold fundamentally true to the, to the premise and the founding premise of the company which was let's give fleet managers an option that doesn't disrupt their their business their operations and, and doesn't cost them an arm and a leg.
0: That's an amazing story. I mean, you know, and uh, Eric, we've got a fellow in here, Brian Thomas of Fairwinds Wealth Management, that's also a, a hybrid car kind of uh, aficionado. Uh, a little uh, uh, Brian, what do you think of all this? Yeah, it's very cool.
1: I mean, and part of its uh, attraction is sort of the simplicity. Uh, do you, Eric, do you essentially put a motor around the drive shaft and then that motor powers the uh, – powers the vehicle, and then you've got battery storage on that?
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a, it's a very simple approach, very straightforward. So we take the native OEM uh, platform, the only thing that we we change from the, the original equipment on that vehicle is we put an electric motor on a, a shortened drive shaft. So we, we remove the uh, factory drive shaft, we put two shortened factory, or two shortened drive shafts on either end of an electric motor, with a battery as storage for the energy that propels that uh, that motor and helps to propel the vehicle forward, specifically during acceleration. So we focus on the the least efficient drive cycles of the vehicle. So when the when the vehicle is accelerating, or if it's you know mm-hmm. it, it's slowing down, we capture that energy, store it back in the battery, and then when the vehicle is accelerated again, we we transfer that energy back into the vehicle through that electric motor on the drive shaft and it really just it cuts down on the amount of gas they're using you know 25 to 50 percent and reduces the amount of co2 emissions by up to a third you know depending on the platform and it so you know it's a really simple approach that has a big effect
1: sure and also i mean my observation from having hybrids and such is that it reduces sort of the drive train in the power requirements and also reduces the demand on the brakes so you extend brake life and those are maybe subjective or not as easily measurable but those are real benefits
3: yeah you're absolutely right in fact it's it's something that we don't make a uh, uh, a huge point to emphasize in our marketing materials but you're absolutely right our customers tell us all the time that they're you know they're experiencing much longer uh brake life uh because the through the regenerative braking process it's almost like Uh, You know shifting into a lower gear it almost has that feeling that sensation as the regenerative braking takes over and it's transferring that Energy into the battery, but it's also helping to slow the vehicle down So you're not using the brakes as hard and to your point you're not hitting you know You're not taxing the engine um, And the drivetrain as much during acceleration because our electric motor is taking over um, and adding 220 foot-pounds of additional torque into the drivetrain during acceleration. So it's really taking a lot of the load off the engine as well. So it really does have some long-term maintenance value as well for, the, for those vehicles.
1: Yeah, well wow, that's awesome. I mean, so it, it therefore, to extrapolate further, extends vehicle life. And I mean, that's one reason why Priuses and are used as taxis and they go 300, 400,000 miles, you know? And they I mean, uh, they don't require brake jobs too often. <laughs> Yeah,
3: exactly. I mean, it's just a, it's a great benefit uh, that just adds to the overall performance and value that that vehicle is going to give you over its lifetime, especially when you think about the con- the, the commercial uh, fleet market, which is driving hundreds of thousands a year. You know, the, the typical consumer will, you know, will drive their car maybe 100,000 miles, but the, the fleet industry, the commercial and municipal fleet industry, well, well beyond that. So the savings add up over time. the the relative environmental impact adds up over time. So there's a lot of long-term value being achieved by our system in in those types of vehicles.
1: And and, 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 uh, I believe it's telematics where you guys, well, other people do it, but you guys can also still measure the efficiency and the driver performance and all that stuff, right? But you've got telematics solutions?
3: Exactly right. All of our vehicles come standard with uh, our own proprietary telematics package. And we don't uh, charge an additional fee for that. And it's a, it's a, you know fleet managers are able to to get a sense of you know how their individual vehicles are performing relative to their fuel economy, uh, to their to their um, uh, uh, driving behaviors, you know to how efficiently those vehicles are running, both at a micro level at a per vehicle VIN level, uh, or at a fleet level, and they can see a macro level perspective about how their fleets are operating and. And really, what value our system is contributing to those, uh, you know, to those overall vehicle performances.
1: And then, can you extrapolate to the buyer, sort of, or convey to the buyer rather, I should say, the value proposition, and and maybe have a payoff time or something to that effect.
3: Yeah, that's that's definitely in the works. So our 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 current system is accessible primarily through um, through our team. So, for example, a customer would would access that data uh, through their customer service manager uh, or their sales representative who would who would basically lay out you know the performance of those vehicles and on a quarterly basis let them know hey here's how everything is 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 performing we are working on a a customer facing software program that will allow customers to access that information directly so right now we are accessing that information and providing it back to them on an as needed or periodic basis, depending on uh, what their preference is, but um, uh, we are working on a, a, a software program that will allow customers to access that information more directly and immediately.
1: Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. And what, what's the battery technology that you use?
3: So we use uh, a couple of different ones uh, for our hybrid solution. It's a 1.8 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery pack. And then for the plug-in hybrid, it's a bigger pack. It's a it's, uh, it's, uh, 15 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery pack. And, and those are, are really chartered with, you know, collecting the energy, storing the energy, and then transferring that power or that energy back into the drivetrain during acceleration, uh, and then capturing it during, you know, the regenerative braking process. So that, that battery is designed to, to, to perform over and over and over again in a way that's very seamless to the driver, and that's you know again a big linchpin of our of our value proposition is it's not requiring the driver to really do anything different differently than than how they operate that vehicle today. Um, so it's you know that's, that's a you know, because if you don't have the drivers on board with you know wanting to drive the vehicles or, or feeling like their vehicle isn't going to perform for them reliably for them to be able to do their important jobs, then they're they're going to you know sit against the chain link fence in the back of the parking lot so it's very important that those vehicles are ready to go and operating as they as they are needed you know through the course of a daily shift.
0: So I, I've got a couple of um, just just basic questions here. I mean, I think that <clears throat> of course we're we're in this we're in this move towards the electrification of transpo, right? And so we're seeing all these electric trucks come online. So now our our, our imagination is just captured by this idea. So with with your technology, uh, the XLP I think is the and you have the spec sheets online. If people want to check it out, it's all there. Uh, the XLP is the plug-in, right? The, the you said that that it won the Times best invention, uh, most important invention of the year. Is that what you just said?
3: Yes, that's correct that is our XLP the the plug-in hybrid electric drive system yeah
0: so now that charging is kind of becoming more ubiquitous now you have a, a plug-in to be able to assist that further right so you can see you can imagine a fleets coming in and then pl- charging up uh, those those 15 kilowatt hour uh, packs uh, you know throughout the night now they um, the the if you were to take an f150s which is something that is that the best-selling car, a vehicle, right? In America, I think, right? In the world. In the world. And it is, it, you yeah. take that truck, one of your models, and you apply this system, the XLP. Uh, what is the impact? Something like 30% uh, overall energy uh, improvement?
3: Yes, it's actually, um, so it's a it's a 20 to 33%, actually on the XLP side, it's a, it's a 33% reduction in CO2 emissions and up to a 50% improvement in miles driven per gallon so you're wow. going to get a, a lot longer on a, a tank of gas I and mean, you're still filling up uh, it, it's still a gas powered vehicle and that's the important distinction of how our systems work and and the way that it's operationally less invasive hmm. for both a fleet manager and their drivers is our system does not take over the full propulsion of the vehicle so as a result, you're not concerned about, you know, range anxiety or am I going to be near enough to a charger if, to where if I'm going 50 miles out in the field, am I going to be stuck? Um, you're not going to be with our system because we, you know, the, the gas-powered engine is still running. So, you know, the way that I always, you know, in a simplistic way describe it is, is you, know, you know, our, our range is a, a tank of gas plus 50% there you so, go <laughs> you know, if, you, if you think about it that way you're not worried about the, the range anxiety of an all-electric vehicle where you are more limited or more dependent upon the charging infrastructure in your specific area you know with our vehicles it's more of a supplemental power source rather than the exclusive power source
0: yeah and you know i, I as soon as i saw those spec sheets i started to run numbers because we pay a lot for gas here and i'm driving around an f-150 myself and so get about sixteen. 16.6 miles per gallon, right, with the EcoBoost engine. So uh, with, with am I right in assuming, and I get about a 392 uh, miles of range on a tank, right? So am I right in assuming I get about 600 miles of range on that tank? And I guess around, uh, let's say, low 20s overall uh, miles per gallon. Does, does that sound about right to you, if, if that were integrated? So-
3: you know, I, I don't like to throw out specific numbers because it's, it is so dependent on your, the driving circumstances. Like so going up example, and down a volcano. <laughs> yeah. Right. If you're going up and actually, if you're going up and down a volcano, that's not a bad, uh, that, that that's actually not a bad application ah. for our, uh, for our vehicle because you're, you're probably accelerating quite a bit and you're braking quite a bit. So that regenerative um, braking is
0: kicking in quite the a bit. So
3: regenerative braking kicks in. Yeah. So, um, so, the, you know, the, 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 the applications where our, where our system is, is uh, on the lower side of that range is going to be if you're doing a lot of, like, straight highway driving. You're, uh-huh. you're going at a consistent speed. You're going 60, 70 miles an hour for long stretches. You know, our system is largely staying idle during that because the vehicle is already operating at its peak efficiency. So that's a, that is as as efficient as that vehicle is gonna run. So our system there there isn't as much as our that our system can do. However, when you are accelerating and decelerating, so I, I commonly refer to city driving as, as a as a common application, but certainly driving up and down, you know, rural roads, um, going off roading, that sort of thing, yeah, you're gonna get the, the higher end of that of that benefit because our system is kicking in more frequently and therefore you're getting more of a benefit to it. So
0: that's amazing. uh, So it
3: really depends on the specific application and how you're driving it, what kind of payload you're using. So so there there are a number of different factors in there.
0: I can see that XL is a very business oriented company creating value for municipalities and large companies. And I want to jump off into a slightly imaginative kind of question for you. So you're going to have to uh, be patient with my my silly question here. But if we were to, given those efficiency limit, limitations you just described, or the, the maximum efficiency and the kind of the, the lower efficiency kind of use cases, if we were to integrate uh, four modules to uh, a lumber rack on top of an F-150, would that further increase the uh, range?
3: So are you saying if, you, if, you're, if we're putting on multiple systems, like multiple... Uh, like larger battery capacity. Uh, no, no. Or, actually, Mike, I'm sorry.
0: I wasn't. I wasn't specific enough. Uh, I was talking about the idea of putting a solar panel on a on a on a oh. rack, uh, on on a lumber rack. If we were to do that, would that have any kind of an, uh, a meaningful impact? I mean, I, it's just a it's a thing that people get excited about the idea of having some solar power with you, even if it is kind of symbolic in nature, right? Yeah. Uh, do you, what, what, what do you what do you think that impact might be? So I
3: tell you, I tell you where I think it would be more. More interesting in the short term um, is if that solar panel was now driving some of the um, onboard uh, power requirements. So, yeah. say you're, uh, you're, you're on a work truck and you're at a construction site, and you have a you have a solar panel up on your ladder rack that is that is powering a system that is that is giving you um, uh, you know a plug to plug in your right. your power tools. Uh, and you know that that onboard power as an accessory to our propulsion system is a really interesting approach and uh, you know is, is 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 one of the types of approaches that we've even considered uh, for our own system. So yeah, you're you're right on you're right in line with, you know, sort of the the additive technologies and I think solar is a is a great uh, way of of considering that that type of technology, and so I think that would be a. A more immediately available use case gotcha. for that type of technology would be very exciting.
0: Reducing the draw, so those types of power tools and things of that nature, as opposed to pulling off of the the truck or a generator, now you're able to to work and produce that energy on site, so re- further reducing kind of loads. Yeah, that's um that's that makes that's really interesting to hear. I, I think that you know the the reason that I asked that question is just because a truck actually has the potential square footage to deploy a, a meaningful system. Like you could. Probably get four modules on a lumber rack, uh, without yep. too much of a, uh, of a of a of a you know scaffold like without a deployment kind of thing where you're 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 pushing them out when you're you stationary only, and that's yeah, and you know I, and these I've, days. And
1: I've, and I've had builders,
2: I've had builders on the island ask me specifically that right. Like, how do we get a solar? Uh, plus battery generator unit that we can hike to a worksite site and, and use in that fashion. We're only just starting to see that. In fact, one of the things you sent me for yes was that, that the, um, the battery powered generators, I don't like mm. the term because they're not generating.
0: Anything yeah. It's a bit of a misnomer, right? <laughs> but, but, but no, but,
1: but it, in order to enter that market, you have to call it what
0: it is. It's kind of like the take in turbo. <laughs> right?
3: yeah, definitely. yeah. Yeah. definitely. <laughs> and that, 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 that exportable power. You're absolutely right. Is a huge request, you know, on a job site, you know, if you're if you want to plug in tools, if, if you want to, you know, if you need that supplemental power, that way you're not running the engine. And, you know, you can actually shut the engine off and still well, have that's huge, power right? and, and even systems like heat and HVAC.
0: Mm. Um,
3: you know, today, yeah. utility trucks, you know, if you think about a utility truck that's working like a with a with a bucket, you know, on a um, on a power line,
0: mm. uh,
3: that that truck is sitting there idling. Our system isn't working on that, you know, when, when a truck is sitting there idling, our system isn't doing anything for it because it's just running, it's emitting a lot of, you know, it's, it's producing a lot of emissions, mm. burning a lot of gasoline just to get the HVAC going or just to get the, you know, the bucket truck up and down. And if you supplement that power with a, 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 a secondary power source, like a solar uh, powered one, uh, you know you you open up a lot of great use cases and value for you know the drivers who are using it
0: imagine if you were to integrate a uh, a heat sink on the back of a solar panel and have a a thermal load met as well you'd have some, you there could you have go. you know yeah. <laughs> pretty uh, pretty exciting technology and pretty uh, meaningful directly impactful use cases what's up Brian i was going to ask him is it
1: uh, can it be installed by i mean any fleet manager can transmission is pretty easy. Can it be installed by the end user? Does that have to be installed by you guys? Or how does it get installed?
3: Typically, it's installed through one of our uh, installation partners. So we we partner with um, with um, upfitters, uh, professional certified upfitters throughout the country uh, that will actually install our kits uh, in the local uh, jurisdiction of where the, where the, the customer is. So uh, typically, that is the, the model today. There's nothing that technically prevents someone from doing it. It's just, um, you know, the, the traditional model of how we work with customers is, is we deliver a new vehicle. So, you know, when, so customers are buying these, these vehicles new and they are adding all sorts of accessories that are being added from, a, from an upfitter shop anyway. So when the upfitter is adding a ladder rack or additional tool capacity on mm-hmm. the vehicle, they can also just swap on our system. Our system takes less than a day to install. So that's not really adding any any uh, you know additional delivery time or, um, uh, or length of, of delivery of that vehicle, and it comes brand new with our system equipped plus whatever other accessories they've at the ship through process when they order those vehicles. Gotcha. So that's a, that's a typical model on the com- on the commercial side of how those uh, fleet managers buy those trucks. So we just kind of add on to that process.
1: And then I saw that it doesn't void the OEM warranty, which is a good thing, and. Uh uh, yeah. Very cool.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a that's a huge you know uh, that that's a huge aspect for you know the service manager, uh, in the in the fleet. Um, it, you know the the person who's responsible for servicing that vehicle. That's the first question they ask: Is what does this do to the warranty?
0: So and hey- that was a. Eric, sorry to interrupt sorry, you there. Eric. We've got a couple minutes left, and I wanted to make sure we touch base on Hawaii. You know, Hawaii is 100% renewable energy mandate by 2045 and milestones approaching, you know, in, in just years, not even, within, you know, past the decade. And I wonder if uh, we're already, if your technology is already out here in Hawaii helping us achieve that goal. Uh, can you speak to that at all?
3: Yeah, it absolutely is. We've got a number of utilities out there that are already using it. Uh, I've got a couple of commercial fleets as well. Um, but yeah, we are in. Uh, I think we are in every state in the in the U.S. other than Alaska. So I think that's our only state that that does not have an XL vehicle operating in it is today. Oof, but yeah, there's yeah, uh, there's some of the bigger like uh, utilities and gas elect, uh, utilities there in, in Hawaii. So so uh, I, I keep wanting to go out and visit those customers. I'm I'm trying to. Kind of work in an, an opportunity to go do that so i can make a, a trip out
0: to the, <laughs> make to the sure island. it's in your region <laughs> in your territory so um yeah, exactly. very cool what's the future we got a few minutes left here what is it what is the future for excel uh, fleet uh any kind of uh uh interesting new tech that you're about to get out there or new ideas that you're exploring vehicles. more vehicles what are you up to
3: yeah definitely so we'll have a major vehicle announcement coming up here in just a couple months into the into the new year um so, so I. I can't tell you too many details about that, but keep an eye on our mm. on our news feed and our Twitter what feed might that be? <laughs> uh, in the next couple months on a on a new vehicle platform that we'll be introducing. I'd say longer term, we're also you know, as as the as the infrastructure and the battery cost become more or uh, um, less prohibitive for all electric options, we will certainly be on the forefront of of those. Uh, of those technologies as well. I mean, the only reason we're not producing those today is they're just they're they're simply not viable for fleets today without uh, substantial incentives.
0: And uh, our model okay. has always
3: been we want to we want to be affordable without incentives. We want to be able to pro- provide value to customers, you know, on an, on an immediate and long-term basis. So as as there, there beco- as there becomes more charging infrastructure and battery costs go down
0: mm. and all
3: electric vehicles become more viable. Then XL Fleet will will certainly have some options uh, for those types of vehicles. Ah, uh, well. so you're
0: putting your hat into the mix, uh, like some of these other guys, perhaps. Like uh, it looks to me like Rivian is making a play for fleet with via Amazon, right? Sure. So there are those kinds of electrified uh, technologies that are coming online and going. I think it didn't. Amazon make some kind of a public announcement after dumping a half a billion bucks in. They made an announcement of something like a hundred thousand <laughs> fleet vehicles ordered. A bit of a bit of a uh, interesting uh, uh, marketing uh, discussion there. But uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say, so you're going to be playing in that world, it sounds like, if I, if I read correctly in between the lines of your very careful statement.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I mean, the, the majority of, of the electric vehicles today are really focused on the consumer space. And I would say even some of the pickups are, are really consumer vehicles at the end of the day. But, but when you are, you know, consumer vehicles and commercial vehicles alike all require charging infrastructure. Gotcha. So the more vehicles that are on the road, the more charging infrastructure we have. The, the more quickly those technologies are going to develop. So to me uh, and to us, you know, the, a rising tide floats all boats, and, mm. and we're excited about all technologies that are being introduced. Got in to ask it. Perf-
0: perfect segue, Eric. Uh, Cybertruck, yay or nay?
3: <laughs> you know, as a, <laughs> I, 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 as, a, as a consumer vehicle, sure. You know, and I love, first of all, I love what Tesla's done just in general. I mean, Tesla has taken you know uh the, the electric vehicle model from being you know uh, uh developed for sort of punchy <laughs> environmentalists yep. to being slick and cool and sexy to drive so god bless them because they have really their their marketing value and their value on the industry itself that is going to be a huge part of their legacy beautiful uh, beautiful so eric to, to can't so, so that's
0: great. Can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us here at the Solar Coaster in Maui. Uh, it's been really illuminating for me to learn all about XL Fleet. If you want to check these guys out, xlfleet.com. Eric Fulmer, really cool guy and a good sport for jumping on the coaster with us today. Thank you, sir.
3: Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate the time.
0: Take oh, care. aloha have a great weekend hey folks uh, we're sponsored by sundrum solar pantech design uh enduro shield perfectly clear and fairwinds wealth management this is the start of 2020 the wonderful decade ahead have a great weekend and aloha friday and happy new year to everybody.